Hello and welcome to We're Listening, the podcast all about Frasier. I'm Will. I'm Key. And this week we are looking at season one, episode four, I Hate Frasier Crane. Now, Key, last week I started with a question and I want to start with a question again this week. Have you ever been in a fight? No. <laughs> oh, no, I don't think I, I think I've, I squared up to someone once and I was about. When fu- was this? Oh, it, it was. I was living in London, and it was about three AM. And some these this couple were having a fight right outside my my front door, basically. Oh no! Uh, and I sort of went out and went, "Look, is there a problem?" And this guy who was clearly off his face on something, like I squared up to him, he backed off, and I thought, "Oh, this is... I was at least a foot taller than him, and he he was <laughs> quite high." So wow, I'm I'm I, seeing another side of you here. I well, I, I, I asked that win. question because I a bit like Fraser Crane in this episode have never been in kind of any conflict situation. And I always think about, have you seen Fight Club? No. <laughs> okay. Well, there is a, there's a, there's a quote from, I think from Brad Pitt in that film where he says, how much do you ever really know about yourself until you've been in a fight? And that quote always occurs to me because I'm, I'm a, I'm a pacifist. I'm a lover, not a fight. I'm a bit like Fraser, but I do sometimes think about, you know, how much do I know about myself? Do I want to, do I kind of crave the adrenaline rush that Fraser experiences before he goes to attack Derek Mann, which we'll get to later, of course. I mean, I wasn't in an actual fight. We just sort of squared up, but weirdly enough, I was really calm while it was happening. And then I got mm. back into my flat and I was like, oh my God. God, what did I just do? What has just happened? Yeah. because I think probably... I think that's a pretty normal response. I think that's how Fraser and Niles would respond. But I was surprised by how calm I was because I remember going out and say, like, I said, is there a problem here? And I remember just being shocked by how clear my voice was because I fully expected like a little shake or something. Yeah, a little um, crack in there in the, to kind of give away the confidence. Yeah, there was a little, there was a, like, I actually sort of stopped and internally thought, good job. You did that well. You handled that well. Wow, yeah. that, that's a, I think that's a good answer as any to kind of get us started thinking about I Hate Fraser Crane, an episode all about, for all intents and purposes, Fraser's first ever fight in kind of the, yeah, the Fraser universe. So we begin in Fraser's apartment with him playing a little tune on the piano, as he often does. I think I mentioned this actually on a previous episode, but there's a great YouTube compilation someone's put together of every of every piano piece from the first few seasons. So every time he plays the piano, they've kind of put a compilation together of him noodling away. I don't, I, I feel like he sort of he plays it a lot a lot more than we realize. I think he's he's a sort of guy who plays it off air in a way. Yeah, yeah. When think. we're not looking, he's he's having yeah. a little tinkle of the ivories. Yeah, but it's quite a musical show, really, if you think about it. I know you know Martin can sing. He's a decent little singer. Mm, um, yeah, you know, Frasier, obviously, as you said, Niles can play piano as well. They both composed songs at school. So yes, they have actually. Yeah, yeah there's, there's quite a few episodes that focus on uh, on kind of the creation of music, or in some regards. So yeah, it's a very musical show. We know obviously how he can can sing. He does the the end credits of every of every show. So um, yeah, I think he does, there is a good musical thread running through the show. It, it's something I think that's played on a lot as well kelsey's ability to sing and particularly across more than one show that he's been in um i think is it three little maids from school are we oh and he sings that on is it radio wars or something yeah yeah and i think he sings it on the simpsons as well so oh it, wow i forgot that when he's yeah. sideshow bop yeah wow i'd completely um, missed that I'd completely and of course he sings it as well 
in over the course of of Frasier. So it's something that I, I don't know if Kelsey just. I have a feeling that Kelsey loves doing it. And I think I read somewhere in, in, in well, I think I heard an interview once where I think Kelsey Grammer got kicked out of Juilliard, which is like a really world yeah. famous musical college institution, as you probably know. So um, the fact, yeah, he he has the chops, the musical chops in both the show and in real life. So I wonder how much of Frasier's musical ability was was Kelsey himself kind of writing that into the character and wanting that to be part of him they definitely be influenced by the fact that we've got an actor here who can who can sing and and it fits the character very well anyway because the sort of things that Kelsey is particularly good at singing and these quite operatic pieces yeah is naturally yeah. He's the got the range thing. yeah yeah you you can picture Frasier singing you know if he if it turned out that Kelsey was a great rapper you probably might not write that as much. <laughs> that might, yeah, that might not be so befitting the the character of Fraser Crane. We have in this scene Martin solving one of his cases and trying to solve one of his cases. We talked about this actually because I think in the previous episode you mentioned a an episode where Daphne's psychic ability results in the possible resolution of a of a, of a crime case. Yeah. And I thought, was that the same episode as Retirement is Murder, which is the really funny one where Fraser completely gets it wrong and thinks the monkey did it, and. Uh, uh, and I was starting to think, is that this episode? But yeah, there is this this one where Daphne's kind of psychic leanings, her telepathy is in some way actually quite spooky and really kind of on the on the point yeah, and on the nose. This, here. this is actually the episode I was meant to be referencing. Oh, I think, week. yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. You were right. Kind it, of, it, it was probably really one. close. Yeah. Um, so Martin but, is is basically solving this case like we would do a crossword puzzle. I think to him, sitting around with Polaroids of you know murdered hookers and stuff, that to him is just yeah his his, his way of relaxing and kicking back it is yeah. his hobby yeah and uh, i think a one a lot of people have a morbid interest in like true crime is bigger than it's ever been podcasts of true crime and, and books and things and you know making a murderer on on streaming services etc there is a huge kind of boom in in true crime at the moment i think so martin's fascination isn't that hard for me to understand even though frazier's got such a revulsion to it in some ways yeah i think i think people are a bit desensitized now of that sort of thing they see it as uh, perhaps a bit more of a story and i suppose if you're a police officer you'd have to see it as more of a puzzle than than appreciating maybe human elements yeah um, you do have to kind of have that detachment and disconnection which makes sense given martin's complete characterization he isn't as sensitive as niles and frazier and obviously that is the big butt of many jokes he lacks that empathy with them and that ends up causing them to kind of rub together and have a have a you know confliction or whatever so the, th- the fact that he has that as a, as a, as a former cop kind of lends itself to, to the, the continuation of this hobby, I think. The ability to be able to switch on and off that, yeah. that empathy, in a sense. Yeah, absolutely. I've got noted down here, actually, the when Niles enters this scene, so once they've started clearing up Martin's um, kind of case, he, he says to Daphne to call him Niles. And as far as I can think of, that's the first time he ever does that and the last time, really, until they end up together. I don't think she ever calls him Niles. She doesn't kind of take him up on that on that request, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, because actually, as he said it, I saw this just vision of him. I, I think, is it when they run away together, he tells her, you should call me Niles. I think so. Yeah, when they're in the Winnebago in the car park of the of the wedding venue, that's yeah. when he he famously says it. So there's a nice you know symmetry to to the to the scene there. Like they kind of bookend their relationship. The, one of the very first moments. Obviously, this isn't his first time seeing her, but it's basically the second time, and they're, they're introduced now. So this is for all intents and purposes their first real time together. I like the fact that 
that's what he says. And then obviously that's what he says when they eventually get together. So I wonder if that was intentional or just a throwaway line that we've ended up kind of putting a lot of extra meaning on. Who knows? I don't know. I think, I think certainly at this stage, they're not going to be, I, don't, I can't see them planning that far ahead at this stage, but maybe later on yeah, down the I line, agree. it would be a nice little way of, of, you know, sitting around the writer's room and going, this would be a nice line, a nice way of doing it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah I mean, it's really, one of those things that pays off in the end. Yeah. I really like this interaction between Daphne and Niles because I think it's just very believable. You know, we have this idea that, that Niles was infatuated with her from the second he saw her, but it's, it's nicely understated, I think, in this scene, the way that he forgets Maris's name and, you know, he tells her that she smells great and, and he's staring at her over prayers and things like that. It's, yeah. it's showing that infatuation, but it's not over the top at any stage, I don't think. No, it's not over the top. Um, and I love that you've brought Maris in because I've got written down that Maris's calm was shattered by a rude directory assistance officer. So that's why she, or no, not not maybe not officer, but someone on the directory phone call thing where you, you ring and they, they point you in a direction. So that's why she hasn't joined them for dinner. Um, it just, it just like like in the previous episode, she, um, she sighs really, in her half slip. Yeah, and I knew then dinner was not to be. <laughs> she has one of her episodes. So within, you know, two, I keep saying episodes, because they use that to describe what happens to it but two episodes concurrently you know one after the other we have maris crying out of a social engagement because of some inexplicable issue she's had and i love it's as just well. it's perfect for that slow world building they're doing in the background coloring yeah. what she's like because yeah. she's going to end up becoming one of the, the kind of main enigmas in the show yeah and i think i love as well that the others just don't question it they just go yeah. along with it you know they do yeah They've, they're already kind of buying into the fact that she's almost alien and yeah. they don't seem to care i've got uh something interesting i've made a note of here is that martin asks them to say grace which you've mentioned already uh mm. because niles is supposedly looking at daphne while they're saying grace does this strike you as a strange moment because i don't ever recall them saying grace again or martin showing any kind of christianity i i agree i don't ever remember anything like this at all no so why have they kind of crafted his character at this point to be someone like that is it just to further the distinction between himself and and his sons who well, he obviously is very unlike in a way i, I think it's kind of i think it's I think they're trying to make Frasier and Niles out to be like children in this episode. And they, they do act quite child. I mean, even by their standards, the way that they're, you know, they're fighting over, you know, not, you know, having their eyes open and things like that during saying grace. And then the way that Niles is so quick to point out that someone doesn't like Frasier's show. And then later on in the episode, the way that great interaction between Frasier and Martin at the end over the fight with him saying yeah. about, you know, you know, my blood's pumping, I'm, I'm shaking. And I just, I think there is a big vibe about in this episode, I think Frasier in particular comes across as quite, he's a bit like, if you changed his lines to that of a young boy with his dad, I don't think, I think it would still work. So I think it's, for me, that's what I felt like they were getting at was that they were trying to create this sort of episode where you're seeing Martin maybe is a bit more of a hands-on dad of young kids rather than than as a dad of two blokes who are incredibly successful. Yeah, that's a really good reading. That hadn't occurred to me actually when I was watching this that it's a very childlike parable of child seeking approval from, you know, austere father. 
and the fact that they're they're referencing previous fights from primary school that they never got you know that they never went through with and we'll kind of get to those a little bit later because i've got some comments about those actually but yeah i think that's a really good reading it, it is that idea that they're constantly seeking martin's approval and they are very childlike and completely underscored by niles highlighting the extract in the newspaper and bringing it so gleefully to frazier because it's that constant game of one one-upsmanship between the two yeah i think that's anything that if, if you've got a brother you can relate to that scene absolutely and we both have brothers so we completely <laughs> buy into this kind of yeah <laughs> that little competitive edge that exists around the dinner table i think I mean, it's really uh it's really nicely handled if i was niles i'd have uh, also cut out a page and stuck it to the fridge <laughs> I th- yeah i think with, with a little one of those little letter fridge magnets i yeah. think it wouldn't have looked out of place i think we start to see daphne becoming one of the family with her yeah yeah it's really nice actually the way them. they invite her to to sit with them yeah, and it, you know, I think it's starting to make clear in this episode she's not going to be the help, or there's not going to be that relationship. She's got, she's should be treated as one of the family. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we have um, related to, to to her actually the the salad that she makes for the for, for them all to eat. I've noted one of my favourite quotes actually from this from this scene, which is when Fraser says, "And why would he say that?" And Martin goes, "Must be the carrots. He always did like them." <laughs> That is such a good little, it's such a simple gag, the crossfire of communication. And just, yeah, you get a really, really nice little moment. It's very quick, isn't it? It needs to be delivered quick, and it is delivered quick. Yeah, that's really what the kind of humour relies on in this scene, that quick fire. Just Martin instantly, not missing a beat. Uh, That actually reminds me, I've just joined on Facebook, the Facebook group Frasier Fan Club, which if you're not a member of, you should really go and join, because there's like 16,000 Frasier nerds gathered in one place. And they posted a clip recently actually uh, from one of the scenes where they're talking about i can't remember which episode it's from they're talking about someone called prissy and martin and daphne are sitting at the dinner table and niles is kind of helping himself to coffee in between them and martin martin says i've never really i've never really cared for the name prissy or i don't like the name prissy and niles says without missing a beat i never cared much for it either implying that he used to get called it at school like you know when he was being bullied but the way John Mahoney and Jane Leaves look at David Hyde Pierce, it, it strikes me that he ad-libbed the line because they're almost smirking and it's, it's so fast that I think he maybe ad-libbed it. And it's just so good to see him in such deep character at that point. Yeah, it'd be, it'd in, it'd be interesting actually to know which of the actors ad-lib most. And it's something I'm always quite curious about and you don't necessarily find out. Generally, yeah, I know one yeah. or two shows where they say, oh, this actor really likes to ad-lib, but... Um, it'd be really interesting. I imagine, for me, I imagine David Hyde Pierce would be the number one man for that. I think so, yeah. he's he, His characterization as Niles, he's so... His vocabulary is the largest, probably, of anyone in the show. Like, for, Obviously, him and Frazier are very close, but I feel like he has more free reign to say slightly outlandish or absurd things than any of the other characters besides Frazier. Like Martin or Jane, uh, or Daphne, saying one of these things. He he has more license, I think, to kind of to run with it when he has like one of his monologues about Maris or anything like that. I think he has greater, yeah, artistic license to to just go nuts. I think. Yeah, and I think he has greater physical license as well. Like you know, he mm. can he wants to if he wants to play with his nails or I think he you know he, he 
he starts like later on in this episode, he, he's messing with his nails and things like that, or tweezing and, a bran muffin at one point in another episode. <laughs> yeah, he he can do that. He can get away with it in a way that I don't think any other character could. Yeah, he absolutely can. I've actually made a note that we I, I should have said this a little minute ago actually, but when we were talking about how quick fire the dialogue was, that same gag is repeated exactly in exactly the same way when they're in Novosa later when it's Frasier, Niles, and Roz sitting around. Oh, Fra- the, the way yeah, to- the waiter comes over and, and asks them for their order and Frasier says something again to the words of how could he do this and the waiter just goes you know I'm, it's my job I'm the waiter yeah. and obviously he's he again has missed you know, there's a miscommunication but I just I like the fact that those they've kind of got the mirror image in that in that gag it's it's work it works really nicely it doesn't feel repetitive no it doesn't uh, at all you know to be honest with you I think if if, if you hadn't have said that I wouldn't have picked up that it was the same kind of gag I would have just seen them independently of each other yeah, that's testament to the strength of the writing, I think. It doesn't feel like, oh, look, they've reused a gag. It feels, oh, yeah, this is the kind of thing that works. And here it is kind of organically cropping up somewhere where, it, you know, it could easily happen. A waiter can overhear things and, and get miscommunicated in that sense. So I think it feels really natural. Yeah, I think it, it does work really well. It's a good, it's a great joke. Yeah, it is. I've got written down here in my notes, which I actually typed up on my phone this week, not my professional usual Word document, but hastily t- typed out on OneNote. When they're in KACL and <laughs> Roz isn't listening at all to what Fraser's saying, and then he asks her a question and she pauses and just goes, Yes. <laughs> That always makes me laugh. Like, no matter how many times I see that episode, the way she delivers the line, the way she looks at Frasier, it is just spot on, I think. this is. I think it's how deep her voice is. And it's just, yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, I mean, she catches herself and just it's just this wonderful professional delivery as though yeah. she's been paying attention all the way through. What it reminds me of is the episode where Niles and Lilith sleep together and the waiter keeps coming to the door to give them room service mm. and every time someone says something to him he just goes okay and then closes the door and he says that about three times and it's the same delivery that one line he doesn't quite understand what's going on just like Roz doesn't in this scene and yeah it just it just works so well yeah and I I think that's something a lot of people I I can imagine a lot of people have a go-to tone they use when they don't know what's happening Oh, I do, I do that. that all the time. When I'm in a yeah. conversation and I've kind of zoned out with someone or I didn't really hear what they just said, you you find a way of naturally kind of <laughs> palming them off a little bit, as awful as that is. Well, if I haven't noticed, if any listeners want to write in and let me know. <laughs> if anyone, yeah, if anyone wants to write in and tell Key when I'm palming him off, <laughs> please do that. Here in the KACL scene, we have Lorraine's phone call. It is excellent because she's she's her problem is that she well she doesn't know it's a problem, but she's extremely distracted. She gets distracted really easy. It's a really short attention span, and Fraser's trying to kind of diagnose that. But the way she says "I'm back" when after Fraser's given his monologue, and she says that bit. Okay, I'm Honestly, every time I watch that episode, it makes me cry with laughter. It's brilliant. She just has no appreciation for the fact that she's on a radio show. It's like she's just chatting to her friend. It's it is, yeah. It's just like completely, she's like gossiping and she's got all these different phone calls happening and she's running back and forth. And it's just, it's absolutely brilliant. I, I just I, think that's one of my, one of the, 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 well, there's not been many celebrity callers up to this point, but that's got to be up there. I think, I, I really like as well, I think Frasier's advice in this one, it's really on the ball about how she needs to take life one phone call at a time. Yeah, think, yeah, the way he says it, there's always like, there's always some other line or someone on the other line. He, the way he phrases it, it's like, yeah, I think it's actually really good life advice. Yeah. And I do take those little bits of life advice from Frasier's 
Fraser show. If if the Fraser Crane show was a real show, I would definitely be tuning in. Oh, I I would absolutely listen to that. I mean, whenever I listen to podcasts, it's because I'm kind of hoping to just have one. It's like I imagine for listeners to Fraser's show that it's just like hearing an old friend speak to them. It's just he passes on advice that he's a familiar, comforting presence. They've known him for a long time, even if just by his voice. And when I listen to podcasts, I often just want that feeling. And you know, I listen to them as I fall asleep or when I'm commuting. And I don't really want to have to pay attention loads all the time. I want really this podcast to be what that is to me, like kind of what the Fraser Crane show is to to the people in the episode. Yeah, definitely. And it's just it's so well done. Like as, as I say, the, I love every scene. I think that's in KACL and and you get this dialogue with the the celebrity cameos because like, mm. I think they are just they're so well written they're so well delivered I and, think as well I mean you've probably read this before but I think the popularity of the calls was getting to the point where celebrities were genuinely like phoning NBC all the time and the writers because they wanted to be one they wanted to be a celebrity cameo on Frasier it became kind of a it had a bit of a cultural cachet in the industry I think and a lot of people wanted to have the you know the credit of being one of the callers yeah and I think I think that's always going to happen when you know you've got a great writer if you know i can do a, a three minute scene and it'll be funny mm-hmm. you, know, you, you don't have to work that hard if the writing is great and it's just it's however good an actor you are you can't there's only so much you can do with a bad script but the yeah. script for frasier and particularly the celebrity cameos they're just they're perfect they're fantastic so it's yeah, yeah. it's just such a great medium i think to to have a way of enabling those cameos because it is obviously anonymous phone calls and it's just it feels so natural as part of the show because obviously it's quintessential to to, to radio and, and specifically to what Frazier's role is as a, as a radio psychiatrist but it just feels yes yeah, so such a, such a good vehicle they've chosen to, to pedal gags they would never ever be able to use in any other scene in Frasier but here kind of the, the space of the phone call on KACL anything can happen any sketch can be written yeah and that said I still have no idea who the celebrity caller was I don't actually. Um, I was really listening to this woman's voice, trying to kind of gauge oh, it. And I I'm... haven't skipped ahead to the to the to the callers. You know the the name of celebrities, but it, I mean, is that why you've gone at all? Do you uh, know? I have, but it's not actually who Lorraine is. I don't know who Lorraine is. It's someone by the name of Judith Ivy. But I've just found out who the voice of Derek Mann is. No. And... Oh no! I was gonna. Say, I, I thought I'd chosen this as a question for you, but I haven't. So you can go well, ahead and say it. Well, if it had been a question, I wouldn't have got it. Um, but it's it's Joe Montagna. It is. Well, you didn't recognise that this was Fat Tony. I genuinely did not recognise it. Oh I my thought, god! I was so excited to bring it up with you because I was like, oh, Key will have known that was Fat Tony instantly. No, I I kind of I was like, he sounds familiar, and I like the voice, but I couldn't quite place it. And it's just now I, now I'm wondering how I missed it. Joe Mantegna, and he does such a good job. It's just he has that. He's a bit smarmy. He's a bit smug, but there's also a little bit of a threatening presence, which is important because when he's physically seen later in the show off camera not to us he is meant to be huge and to quote yeah. Daphne my god you could show a movie on his back <laughs> so he's uh, he's huge you know he's a really big imposing authoritarian figure and yeah I think I just think that's a great little bit of cast in there yeah it's wonderful and he's just he's he's such a good voice actor isn't he that he can pull he it just, off perfect yeah he can while we're at this point we've kind of reached I would say the midway point of the episode I have I want to ask you my trivia questions I prepared this week okay. uh, if you are ready yeah okay number one can you name any of the literary critics slash figures 
that Frazier compares Derek Mann to in his little radio rant. Okay, so I can def the first is Voltaire. Correct. And the second, was it something like H.L. Malkin or Makin, something like that? Basically, yeah, H.L. Mink. It's, it's spelled Menkin, so it's like M-E-N-C-K-E-N, but it might be pronounced Makin. Frazier does say it in a funny way, but yeah, you've got both of them. I, I did not expect it. it. I absolutely love that. I just love the moment he takes the mic off the sand, leans back. Yeah, like, he leans back and he's like, his head does this little snaky bob when he's talking because he's like really into the zone. I don't know if you noticed that, but he like, he does this little shoulder shuffle and yeah, it's, uh, yeah, yeah you absolutely knock that out of the park. Do you want to have my first question before we go on to your second question? Yeah, you hit me with yours. Okay, so what was Stuart's problem? <sighs> I cannot even remember oh, who's a great line. Stuart is. <laughs> I cannot remember who Stuart is. Is he a caller in the show? He is a caller in the in the show, but um, you don't actually. Oh, his... he he's, he has a problem with delayed gratification. Yes, he does. Yes, because then Fraser goes, he'll just have to wait. <laughs> I love that line. It's a brilliant so line. Good. Okay, so question two is what page? Is man's second column continued on in the newspaper? Okay, I didn't write it down. Niall says it continues Is on. Is it page 12? Oh, God, you're good. You are really <laughs> good. Good key. I've met my match. It is it's page 12. Okay, and finally, question three. How many brothers did Helen have? Uh, I think, did she have four brothers? Okay, you've got three out of three. Oh, Congratulations. Well. Right, hit me with yours. Let's see if I can recoup some, uh, some respect here to listeners. Okay, so... What was okay. the name of the murder? So not the name of the murderer or the victim, but the name of the mm -hmm. murder itself. I have a feeling it was the Weeping Lotus. Yes, it was the Weeping Lotus murder. Yeah, there's a nice nice reference there to the Black Dahlia, kind of the classic Raymond Chandler neo-noir name for a for a an old kind of yeah, voice crime. So good stuff that is. Okay. And my I'll I'll, I'll just do the three questions. Who did Daphne kick in the groin? I actually know this one. And the only reason I remember, I'll, I'll explain how I remember this, but it's Nigel Tavers. But I remember this because Nigel Havers is an, like a kind of classic British TV actor who was in Coronation Street a lot. And I always hear that name, and I think I thought that was because Nigel she's from Havers. Manchester. Is it some reference to Corrie, or I don't know? I think I'm really drawing a connection there that isn't. I'm kind of pulling stuff out of thin air, but I always remember it for that connection. Are you sure you don't mean Nigel Havers? I mean, I always pronounce it Nigel Havers. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know who Nigel Havers is? Because I've seen Coronation Street. God, but your your knowledge, your frame of reference is so much better than I give you credit for. I really apologise, but that's why I remember. Nigel Tavers. So there we go. That is who got kneed in the groin by Daphne. Am I right in thinking that Daphne's brother is also called Nigel? Oh, yeah. I completely forgot about that. Actually. Yeah. So I mean, they we kind have of more than one name in England. Yeah. Yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do you have a, another question? Uh, do you want me to go for the fourth? Okay. So it's a tough one. Um, okay. Where did the fight take place? Oh, God. I remember man saying it on the show. It's it's something square at yeah. noon, and it's over the road from, like, Novosa and the radio. Is it, like, Centenary Square? Oh, no, it is a square. It's, um, I think it's Kinsley Square. Kinsley Square, man. That's a good question. I like that. Thank the fact you. that we don't ever get to see it annoys me. It would be nice to get a little, uh, a little extra slice of, of the surrounding neighbourhood, because we really 
only ever see Elliot Bay Towers, Nervosa, KSEL. I think I appreciated just how close Cafe Nervosa must be to his office or to yeah, the radio. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, and we talked about in one of the previous episodes how weird it is when Roz says, do you want to pop over the road to get one of those expensive coffee drinks? But obviously the way she says that, it's implying that Nervosa is obviously proximal to, to KACL. So it, he must just pass it on his way. And that's why he's always in there and can afford to spend so much time there. Whereas Niles must travel in. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Derek Mount just called in. I like the the little gag from Raz where she says lines one through eight are people that think you're chicken. Honestly, right. If you ever want a bloke to do anything, just make a chicken noise and they will proceed. <laughs> I do, yeah, I love that. And again, it, this proves true your reading of this episode as kind of the main characters are very childlike because the, the title of the episode, oh, I Hate Fraser Crane, it's like something from, from primary school, isn't it? It's like something you'd hear in the playground. And then Derek Mann doing the chicken noise on air just, again, proves true your your idea that this is a, a like a, a, a take on childhood. Yeah, and, and I love how Fraser in this episode, he starts off, even when he's, you know, retaliating towards Mann, he starts off very intellectual with the great line about him joining the pantheon of the immortals and things like that yeah and then it just descends to and he's doing this in a crayon you know <laughs> yeah, it, yeah that i mean i mean i always see i always see threads on reddit actually where it's like what's the greatest insult you know and they're always really cringy insults that you'd never ever use in real life but there's always one about crayons that comes up and when i hear him say this the way fraser says it it's actually quite cutting and and has some impact but yeah again the references to crayons he's resorting to childish insults in in to, to bat away man but they are i think they are both both of them fantastic lines both the pantheon one and the crayon that he's he's been writing this with they are both great insults to use yeah they're so good their kind of interplay is really good now I kind of wish after these, this episode that Derek Mann had more of a prominent role in it. I think he's actually a really good character that could have like had a recurring um, conflict or feud with with Frasier. Yeah, definitely. Because as well, with them both being in the media, you know, Mann obviously having his column, Frasier on the radio, I think you really could have done a, re- a recurring gag between the two of them. Yeah, and I, I, I seem to recall, I don't know what episode it is, but I'm almost certain the Man About Town column is referenced again in a different episode. And I... I do think Derek Mann possibly is mentioned in the same scene, if not just the column. I'll have to double check that, but I, I do think that column is referenced again because they all read the Seattle Times in the world of the show, so it makes sense they would they would cross paths with him again, even if just what he's written. Yeah, and I think one easy, really easy way they could have done it, I think, obviously we see Frasier at a few different award ceremonies over the course of the run of the show. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been so easy just to have Derek Mann there and make a couple of jibes at Frasier before they both go and sit down or something like that yeah that would be really good actually he's kind of goading him and then they end up just yeah breaking into another conflict that almost doesn't happen yeah that could actually be the basis for the gag is that they always he shows up at these formal functions these award ceremonies as you say would be really good because they're both in the media but they never ever actually fight because it's always broken up or something happens and like that's the joke that they hate each other but the conflict we never get to it yeah i i, I think you know i'm not saying i could have written for for fraser but i'm just spitballing <laughs> ideas you know you're saying you've got a few ideas that you wish hadn't <laughs> you know had made the cutting room floor maybe so one thing i wanted to th- talk about with regards to the the fight between man and and fraser so we have obviously he's offered fraser out on air fraser's had this great little this little rant at him earlier in the show do you think martin's reaction 
to Frasier's uh, conflict and the fact that Frasier isn't going to go through with the fight, which to, I won't say my opinion on it. I'll ask you first. How do you think Martin's reaction is measured? Do you think it's exaggerated? Do you agree with Martin? Or are you on Frasier's side in this? I, I can see why in Frasier's position, he takes the view he has, because I think if you're in a role where you are in the spotlight or you're in a particularly professional role, then you probably can't get away with fighting someone in the middle of the street. I think you're said, absolutely spot on. Yep. <laughs> that said, I completely back Martin. If you if you if you say to someone on air that you're going to fight them, you've got to live up to that. You really think that? So you would say maybe you edged more towards being on Martin's side here. I mean, if, if Frazier wants the high ground, he should have taken the high ground on air and not offered to fight him. If you're going to offer to fight him, you've got to fight him. I am not inciting violence in any way. <laughs> okay, and I am not offering anyone out to fight. <laughs> we are not going to fight. No one's going to fight. This is a safe, safe podcast where there's no Derek Mans. But yeah, I just I, I've written down and kind of noted when this scene happened that I personally think Martin's grandstanding is is insane at this point. I think he exaggerates his anger so much, and the fact that like he says when he says I can't even look at you. When he t- turns around and walks into the kitchen, yeah, it is I think that is much. just so over the line. For his his son is telling him, "Oh yeah, I don't want to get into physical harm." And, and Martin's reaction is, "I can't even look at you." Yeah, I think I think for Martin, I think the reason he's coming away with this is because for him, it's not about this fight. I think for him, it's about Billy Creasel and the past. Yeah, it's about um, Fraser's word, isn't it, and sticking to his word. Yeah, I think I think for Martin, Martin is a man of his word. He is, and I think yeah. that's what he doesn't like is that Frazier's probably a bit looser with his word. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we we have like skipping ahead a little bit, we can kind of come back to the the big fight scene or the anti-climax fight scene as as kind of the 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 main point of this episode. But we have a similar ending to previous episodes. So that conflict between Martin and Frazier at that point is just like the conflict in in Space Quest, and it's really and and particularly dinner at eight when he leaves the restaurant. We have that. <laughs> moment of like tensions finally reaching their peak they both turn away from each other and yeah then by the time the the episode ends there's that resolution again and they kind of come back together and it's doing that classic thing that a lot of network tv and sitcoms did in the 90s which is where they they took on the heartstrings a little bit and then uh, at the end and they give you that resolution to the conflict yeah and i think i think actually in that last scene martin is a really great dad i think, oh, I think so yeah the way that he's you know he's you know you'd have kicked his butt you're really excited you did great uh, <laughs> when you know all along martin is the one who actually stopped the fight yeah so i, I yeah i forget about that actually um the fact that he does kind of call in a favor and and he gets it stopped shows that it was all about just Frasier sticking to his word rather than wanting to see Frasier fight someone so yeah maybe maybe I am maybe you're more justified in saying Martin's kind of got a point here which I think is I think is fair but uh yeah it's a, it's a nice resolution and it's the way he's talking to Frasier about it it's like he's just seen him hit a home run in like little league baseball or something he does seem so proud of Frasier for, yeah, for going ahead yeah. with it and Frasier um, is so childlike in that moment where he's saying my legs feel like jello my ch- you know, my heart's beating i feel great you know yeah, he's so childlike yeah it's it's like a dad encouraging his kid to i don't know play sports or something like that just a bit later in life in a slight different situation but while we're kind of on this the the, the, the denouement of the episode the fight and its conclusion i have prepared my whose crane is it anyway which is our the, the terrible name <laughs> for, the, for the the gag trivia thing where i ask you a really obscure well not, not super obscure in this case a phrase from a longer quote in the show you need to tell me who said it and this week's who crane whose crane is it anyway is we're getting a freebie 
Oh, it's Daphne. Uh, because she parked in front yes, of the Yes, it is. Computer. Oh, you're so good, man. I did. <laughs> I ni- initially, I was going to have it as who said yes, <laughs> and then it was going to be <laughs> the answer would have been Ross. But uh, yeah, we're getting a freebie, Daphne. So so far, you're absolutely bossing the questions. And whose crane is it anyway? You're yeah, uh, I- you're you're very you're very up on you on your Fraser revision. I think that her um, her accent goes a bit like I think her accent started to get a little bit better, but I think it goes a little bit for that line. Yeah, actually, it, it, she. she She's getting. She goes a bit kind of squeaky and high pitched in this scene. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree. I love the touch of the mariachi band in the uh, in the for the fight that they've gathered. And Niles saying that they need to get their card for their summer barbecue. I just think that's a wonderful kind of interaction moment. And just the way the the band starts up when Frazier leaves Nervosa. Is just a brilliant like audio gag. I mean, I absolutely love a mariachi band. Um, Who doesn't? <laughs> is that? I feel like I know that piece of music. I don't know if I just know it from Frasier or is it? Do you know if it's a particularly I, famous piece of music? I wouldn't be able to say, and I, you know, I, I don't want to stereotype at all. But I feel like, you know, as with classical music, there are, you know, like a social function. You know, a jazz pianist is going to play kind of jazz standards. Maybe a mariachi band have a kind of a songbook of of common mariachi pieces, and this is one of them. Um, I really, really couldn't say. I haven't listened to much mariachi music, but that uh, but, it is, yeah, it does feel familiar, and it just yeah. it just goes really well in the scene. It's just so it's just really nice use i think it, it's it's really nice it's catchy it just it's if nice. i was walking out to a fight i think i'd want to hear that i'd say if you ever become a boxer we'll make sure that's what they're playing ringside <laughs> that's what yeah when i come out with my hood up that's what's <laughs> playing okay, i've got a little a little kind of goofy question for you here but this this occurred to me actually this for the first time watching this episode this is one of the things i'm enjoying about re-watching the episodes for the fact that kind of going through them again and i'm kind of i've seen this episode so many times but i'm thinking about it in slightly different ways do you think you can estimate how much Niles' round of victory lattes would cost when he offers to buy everyone in Avosa a round of lattes. I have no idea. It always, I always feel like in this scene, Niles should do that joke and then see how many people there are and then go, oh, maybe not. Oh, I think that would be a much better handling of it, actually, because... I mean, if we're imagining that it is said at one point in an episode how much the coffee is, because I think Martin really reacts strongly against it because, you know, he's a he's an average Joe. Yeah. And he likes his Joe average or, or whatever the line is. <laughs> um, he reacts really aggressively to the pricing. So I want to say maybe three to four dollars, maybe four dollars for a latte. There's probably about 25 people in the shop. You know, we're looking at like three figures for a round of coffee. Yeah. And he just oh, he's, he's lavish. Isn't he? <laughs> you know? he doesn't an eyelid does he when he like yeah when he when he does that it's just absolutely nuts have you ever been in a but yeah place where someone has bought drinks for everyone not really i've I've, you know i've been with people when they buy rounds but that that kind of gesture that really grandstanding gesture even in a bar or something i've never experienced that someone go oh they're all on me yeah i I think we all live in in hope that one day that will happen to us but I'd be going up to bar going, it's definitely on him, right? Because this is what I'll have if it's on him. Exactly, yeah. Once you know you're not buying, you know, you, you kind of you've got free reign of whatever's behind the bar. Yeah. Um, but besides that, I think we have the kind of the fight doesn't take place, it's called off. The crane boys don't take clarinet lessons anymore. It's a great um, last night. And it's such a good joke as well that the guy was not in his precinct. Yeah, exactly. You expect the cop to just kind of go huh, and walk off. And the fact that he goes, What are you talking about? Like I just another 
kind of layer to the joke that just works really well. They kind of they have that thing going on where something's set up and you expect it to be batted back to you and it isn't. It's handled really well. But I think we I think we've kind of comprehensively covered most things. You usually do at the end of the episode a little uh, kind of episode slash script Easter egg. Do you want to kind of tell us whether the episode title was used in the episode this week? Yeah, this episode title, I hate Fraser Crane. It was in this episode, both as a title Absolutely card was. and it's a line, of course, from it, it is, of course. So we've kind of got the triple there. We've got a, it's a it's the title of the episode. It's a line. It's a title card, and it's used in the show. So yeah, very good. But next week we will be looking ahead to series one, episode five, which is "Here's Looking at You." Really looking forward to that one. But before we go, I've got a little surprise for you, actually, Key, and for other people who are hopefully listening to this. I wrote a piece on Frasier's 25th anniversary last year for Little White Lies, a British film magazine. And when I was doing research for that for that article, I reached out to Joe Keenan, who was a writer on a lot of the best episodes, I would say, of Frasier. Um, he wrote The Ski Lodge, I want to say. He wrote Out With Dad. He wrote The Matchmaker. Wrote some really, really top Frasier episodes. Strong he was around episodes. for like the first five seasons, maybe. Maybe a little bit longer than that. But I reached out to him, actually, with some email questions. And he got back to me. And he, he gave me some really lovely, thoughtful comments about his time on Frasier, the people he loved working with, the episodes he loved writing, um, and all of that. So... Well, potentially we can discuss that next week or we can release it as a bonus episode, depending on if people respond on, on Reddit, etc. I think as well, get... we'd have to consider how long we'd run for. It'd be episode. really great to get in depth with and, and really, you know, really talk about it. Yeah, I think it could it could make a really nice bonus episode where we kind of unpack what he says um, without putting words in his mouth, of course. So I think that could be really nice. So that's a nice thing to look forward to. Um, and, and, and for people listening out there, particularly those on the Reddit who might find this, hopefully that will be something you're interested in. Uh, I was just going to ask, is this in your top 10? This episode is not in my top 10. Is it in your top 10? It's not in my top 10, no. It's not. Okay, so we, we haven't hit anyone's top 10 yet. I'm just, I've got the list up now on KACL 780. I'm looking for when... I'm looking down the seasons, down season one, a little bit ahead when my first one lands. And uh, we've got a little, we've got a little few weeks to go before we, we hit a top 10. Yeah. How's it look for you? Um, might be slightly longer than a couple of weeks, I think. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. I say a couple of weeks. I'm, I'm being definitely figurative there. It's yeah. uh, it's a lot longer than a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> probably probably a few months <laughs> when it actually, when we break it down that we're doing one of these a week. Um, but yeah, so this has been uh, I Hate Fraser Crane and I've been Will. I've been Keith. And thank you for listening to We're Listening. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Well, maybe. But I got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs.